Thank you, Adam. Such a blessing to be with you. I enjoy your celebration of Jesus. Uh, it's a real joy. I've loved uh, this worship time, so sensitive in Him, His utter faithfulness to us. And uh, it's just a blessing. I'm sorry I was kind of a bit late. We were ahead of time, feeling so comfortable. Oh, we're going to get there early. And then the sat nav messed me up. It totally took me off. And I thought, I'm on my way there. But why is it saying go down here? In the end, I thought, no, I'm going to disobey it. <laughs> I had to turn around and come back up. And uh, they kept telling me to turn around and go back. You know what it's like. And uh, I, uh, I thought, no, 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 I know where it is, really. And anyway, we made it. So I'm so sorry. But uh, we're here. And I'm so glad I was here for that wonderful time of just centering in on Jesus together. Yeah, I have brought some books, as Adam said. Uh, during the lockdown, it's been weird, isn't it? I, I couldn't go anywhere. I had a whole, whole program and we were lying through a whole year, I think, or two. And uh, I thought, what do I do? And I thought, God really spoke to me to write. And often asked, like, have you written another book like this? And now I don't have time. And uh, I had loads of time. And I thought, God really led me to write God's Treasured Possession. So this is hot off the press. And uh, it's written in such a way that quite short chapters uh, and 30 of them. And you could go through it in a month. In fact, we're going to do it at the church where I'm based now in Mid-Sussex. And uh, just a couple of pages each chapter, or maybe three pages. And uh, a, if you want to take advantage of the thing called the, book, the Big Church Read, which you can find online, and there's a little video that goes with each chapter that I've done. So I just recommend that to you. I really feel God told me to do it. I felt God was with me in it. I really enjoyed fellowship with him. Uh, as I wrote it. So I, I do commend it to you. It says so in the Bible, all these things happened to them, that is, the people that Moses led through the wilderness, for our instruction. So what they experienced, we find, and we can often find God in stories, can't we? Rather than, you know, kind of lists of God's attributes, a bit boring the list, but read a story and you find yourself in it. So I recommend that to you, please, on the book table at the back. And then we were uh, celebrating God's grace in one of the songs. And God's lavish grace, I was interviewed recently and they said to me, uh, grace is the kind of main theme, isn't it, in your churches? And I said, well, I guess you could say that. And uh, God's lavish grace, I've had more letters back from people saying change their lives than anything else I've written. So we've got one or two other titles, but I do commend that to you. I'm speaking recently on Zoom, isn't it? Zoom is weird, eh? Uh, I'm speaking to 70 Mexicans scattered around Mexico because there's a Spanish translation of it. And uh, they're asking questions and they're working through the Spanish translation. And so wonderful uh, to do that in that predominantly Catholic country. People who come to Christ and come to find His grace. And then recently it's been translated into Farsi. I don't know if you know that. A few years ago there were only 400 known Christians in Iran. And now they say there are two million. God, God is doing amazing things in the world. Yes, hallelujah. And so wonderful to feed in the message of God's grace into that nation. So uh, do take advantage of the books at the back and uh, uh, yeah, enjoy that, please. So talking about God's grace, I want to look into Romans and chapter 6. I've been in my own devotional life for the last few weeks, working my way through Romans, and I'm really enjoying it a lot. I've just got a new commentary by a man called Thomas Schreiner, 
and uh, it's just fabulous. Just working through it, working through it, working through it. And uh, you know, grace sometimes leaves you saying, "Well, if it's that easy, if it's all free, uh, shall we carry on sinning?" Well, if God's prepared to say you're righteous anyway, if it's all that free, it's amazing. You just have to believe, and God calls you righteous. I mean, it could be the biggest uh, sort of trick in the world. Hey, I'm righteous anyway. I can do what I like. And so Paul answers that question in the chapter I've been particularly working my way through this last week, Romans and chapter 6. If you follow me on Twitter at all, uh, you'll find loads of tweets this last week have been on Romans 6 because I've, I've just been in there. I found it so encouraging and strengthening. So Paul has said in chapter 5 and earlier in the chapter of uh, the book, we're righteous because we put our faith in Jesus. That God's declared us righteous. We're, we're righteous forever. All our sins, past, present, future, it's all forgiven. It's amazing yeah. because we believe in Jesus. And so Paul asks in chapter 6, what shall we say then? Shall we continue sinning so that grace may increase? May it never be. As the old King James said, God forbid. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Well, don't you know that all of us who've been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we've been buried with him through baptism into death. So that as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we've been united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, in order that our body of sin might be done away with, so that we should no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is freed from sin, now, if we have died with Christ, we believe we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, don't let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lusts. And don't go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness. But present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not be master over you, for you're not under law, but under grace. Father, thank you so much for the joy of just focusing on you together this morning. The sense of your love for us, these wonderful scriptural promises, the things you've spoken to us of, of opening a way up, rooting us in your love. Father, we're so grateful. And we ask right now, Father, for the Holy Spirit to be our teacher, yeah. to lead us into truth, to shape us, to free us, to do us good. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So Paul realizes that the gospel he preaches is so free that it's open to being misunderstood. And so he asks this question, pretty provocative question, shall we carry on sinning? You don't often find that Christians coming up to one another, shall we carry on sinning? It's not normal in our conversation. 
But you do find that question that comes in the heart, is it possible to stop sin? It's a kind of flip side of the same question. Can we actually stop sin? Jesus came to save us, not only to forgive us, but to actually release us from sin. And in the Bible, sin isn't just a list of sins, but sin, here in this passage and elsewhere, is seen as a power. It's, it's something that has power over us. Sin has a power that can kind of capture us. And, and sometimes in certain areas where we feel, oh, that always gets me. I, I think I just so love gossip. I get into it. Or I get so angry so quickly. Or I get into dirty stuff. And I, I just I, I get I just want to be free, but I can't get free. And I know for myself as a young Christian, I got saved in my teenage years. I knew I was forgiven, but can I get free? And a bit, it's a bit like, I think, the story of Israel, where through the Passover, a, a lamb had been slain for every family. So in their families, when, when the angel of death swept across the nation, and, and firstborn had been killed in home after home after home, where God says, when I see the blood, I'll pass over you, I'll pass over you. And all those families were saved from death because a lamb had died in their place. Hallelujah. The lamb has taken our place. The blood of the lamb is enough for us. Yeah. And they knew that. But the thing that happened next was, right, let's get out of here. Let's get out of Egypt. Yeah. And as they were on their way, they encounter the Red Sea. And so thank you for forgiving us, but I'm still a slave. I'm still in Egypt. And here comes the army. And you might even say, there's my slave master. So what I actually have to work for. Oh, here they come. And I'm trapped. That's how, exactly how I felt. I felt, I know I'm forgiven, but I'm still trapped. Is there any way through? Can I actually get free? And actually, Romans 6, I believe, is built on that Exodus story. Because it's going to talk about a kind of a death and a resurrection. Like way we're down into the Red Sea and out the other side. There was an actual rescue that took place. Now, the first we need to understand, what does that mean? How does that work? How do you actually get free from the power of sin? Because that's what Jesus came to do, to save us. Not just to keep forgiving and forgiving and forgiving, but to actually break us through into a place of freedom. Now, how do we do it? Now, this is the most releasing chapter. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, probably the greatest preacher of the last century, he said, Romans 6 is the most releasing chapter in the whole Bible. It's that important that we understand. Now, how do you get free from sin? Well, he's already shown that it's not by law keeping. He's already shown that, and he'll show even more in Romans 7. The law has no power to change us. It shows us what the rules are, but it says it's quite impotent. It can't actually change us. In fact, if anything, it provokes us to be more sinful, it says in the Bible. So the law can't actually do it. So how do we get through well, some have said things like this. Well, just let go and let God. It sounds good, doesn't it? Let go and let God. But that's actually not what it says. If that's what Paul said, he could finish here, couldn't he? So he could say, so, let go and let God. Bye-bye, love Paul. End of chapter. <laughs> but he doesn't. He doesn't. He goes on to explain how this is going to happen. So it's not just let go and let God. It's a matter of knowing things and doing things. That's what comes out of this, this chapter. Knowing things and doing things. 
That's what it says. So let's look at it. It says, do you not know? That's his first question in verse 3. Romans 6, 3. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Right. So he's going to tell us things we need to know about what happened when Jesus died. We know that when he died, he took away our guilt. But he's going to tell us more. There are things we need to know. Jesus said this. You shall know the truth, and the truth will free you. Yeah. It will set you free. It will make you free. But the truth, it will free you. It's this message, this is good news that frees us. And so it's knowing this truth that frees us. You see, Jesus hung on a cross. And, and if you've been in the crowd looking at it, think, well, I wonder what that's all about. Mm. Well, it's not in the temple. Well, it doesn't even look religious. He's just dying up there. Hanging on a cross. And to understand what was happening, we need to see what the, what the apostles tell us. Because the Bible, the apostles get revelation from Jesus as to actually what happened there. Yeah. That we might understand. Hey, this is what's happening there. And it's not just for forgiveness, it's for more than forgiveness. So you need to know it, knowing what happened. So he said, let's see, first of all, it says all of us. All right? So he's talking about all of us. But something that has already happened to all of us. He's not saying, now listen, you can actually be set free from sin's power. And there are some special Christians. I mean, there's, there's sinners, then there's kind of ordinary Christians. Then there's special Christians who actually, they've kind of died to the power of sin. He doesn't say that. He says, all of us. Right? What I'm going to talk about this morning is all of us. And then I've noticed this. He's telling us about something that's already happened. Do you not know that all of us who've been baptized into Christ have been baptized into his death? But all of us, this is something that has happened to us. Now it's important to see that. So at the end of this message, I'm not going to say, who would like to? Would you like to die? No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying it's an announcement. The gospel is good news. It's not good advice, it's good news. It's news, it's a proclamation, something that has happened. That's the whole wonder of the gospel. That's the difference between Christianity and every other religion. Every other religion will say, do this and this and this and this and this and you might get a chance. The gospel says, it's done. Yeah. It's good news, it's incredible news. Right, so all of us who were in him, baptized into his death. Now, baptized, some people say, well, baptism's the key there. No, in the Bible, if you were a Christian, you were baptized. You won't find a Christian in the Bible who's not baptized. And so it's shorthand for all who are in Christ. It's not about baptism as such, it's about being a Christian. There was a, a group years ago, I remember in the UK, who used to say, you've got a problem with sin? Well, you probably weren't properly baptized then. And if you come to us, we'll baptize you properly. And that will be the end of your sin problem. Now that is a misunderstanding of what this verse is saying. It's not talking about the way in which you're baptized. It's talking about being in Christ. If you read that through, you'll find that's consistent right through the New Testament. It is that we are, we were in Christ, right? So something that's already happened because we are in Christ. The chapter before says you are either in Adam, in other words, you're just born of the flesh. The human race is set forth in chapter 5 as having come from Adam. Adam is the father of the human race. 
And we all become children of disobedience, the Bible says. All he can produce is disobedient children. He became disobedient. He marred and spoiled the whole human race. And Jesus said to Nicodemus, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. You won't even see the kingdom. You're just children of disobedience. You need to be born again. You need a completely new birth. You need to be born again, another life. So you're either in Adam and destined for death and hell, which is what the Bible consistently teaches, or you're in Christ and you started eternal life. It's a completely new life. And it comes through our being in Christ. We used to be in Adam, we were born in Adam, we're just human, we're just flesh. We need a new birth, a spiritual birth, which places us into Christ. Then we're new people altogether. And what happened to Christ is accredited to our death. So we're not looking for a personal death to sin experience. I used to work with a guy who became a Christian and was very aware of internal sins he felt. And he said, I'm going to fast and pray until I die to sin. I think he would have died if he carried on. <laughs> it's not something you accomplish, it's something you understand suddenly. Oh, that happened. When Jesus died on the cross, I died. I died. You see, you don't remember sinning in Adam, do you? The Bible puts us in Adam or in Christ. We were all in Adam. We all came from that initial stock. They can't say, yeah, I'll call now if I remember. Oh, I remember. Yeah, yeah, I was in him. Yeah, I remember we took the fruit, didn't we? No, you don't remember it at all. You have no knowledge of it, but the Bible says that's how it is. We're just new human characters, flesh. We were in Adam. Not that we remember it, but that's the stuff. Now, we are in Christ, and we won't remember, hey, I died on the cross with him, but the Bible says you should know this truth, and the truth shall set you free. Now, we're going to press through it little by little here. So we're not looking for our death to sin experience. We're recognizing we were in Christ, when he died. Jesus died to sin once for all. God, God couldn't just let us all off. God couldn't just, oh, okay, I'll just forgive you. No, God is holy and righteous and just. He is the judge of the whole world. And the human race had completely dishonored him, worshiped strange things, gave ourselves to sin. God is furious with our sin. He can't just, oh, let him off. No, no, he can't do that. He is just and the justifier of everyone who believes. So God has to spend his fury, he has to deal with it. And Jesus, the wonderful Savior, was sent to come and take our place and receive in himself the whole fury of a holy God. He was hanging on the cross, he was forsaken of God. Not like Stephen, when Stephen was stoned, he said, I see the glory of God. I see the heavens open, I see Jesus. No, Jesus didn't know that. Jesus was forsaken, cursed, and hung as God poured out his fury on him. Jesus drank the cup. He shouted before, do I have to drink this cup? Can I get, can I, no, no. for this purpose came I to this hour. He drank it completely. He went through the whole thing. He took our judgment. That's why we can go free. God put on him all of our guilt, all of our shame. 
and he took it away. He's our scapegoat. He, he went with it so we can go free. And then he's raised from the dead and justified, and we're raised with him into newness of life. That's the story here. So knowing that our old self was crucified with him, verse 6. This is, this is how God sees it. This is the truth. You can't go above God and say, I've got another truth. He's the truth. This is the truth. The truth is, we were crucified with him. When Jesus died on the cross, we died with him. That's, that is the good news. That is the gospel. That's what it says plainly. You might say, I don't feel very crucified with him. My old man doesn't seem at all crucified with him. You know, I've got these problems. Let's face truth. But God says, this is the truth. You were crucified with him. Let me ask you this. How many of us here believe two men were crucified with Christ? One on the right and one on the left. Well, I'm not sure if I ask for a show of hands, but how many of us believe that? Why do you believe that? Why do you believe two men were crucified with Christ? Why do you believe that? Because the Bible tells you so. Yeah. That's the only reason you believe it. There's no other historical. The Bible tells you. The same Bible tells you this. You were crucified with him. Yeah. You've got the same reason for believing it. My own self was crucified with him. The Bible tells us that. It sets us free. I remember when I was a fairly young Christian and I, I was in a youth group at a Baptist church in Brighton where I used to go. And I suddenly had a problem with someone else in the youth group. And I, I don't remember, I've had a pretty easy going kind of life, but I suddenly was very jealous of this other person. And it really bugged me. I thought, I hate, I hate having this attitude. But I, and one Sunday, it was quite a big church, one Sunday my pastor's preaching, and like about six or eight hundred on a Sunday, big crowd. I said, as one of my young people said to me, I'm quoting them. I thought, Ugh. I just, I hated this. And, and I'm sitting on the train, I used to commute from Brighton to Victoria every day. And uh, I'm sitting on the train, and, I, and I've got my Bible, I started reading my Bible on the train. And, and, you know, people got in the compartments. In those days, then there's kind of small compartments, you had the door, you shut the door, and you all went and sat in, and got your newspaper out, and no one spoke to anyone, and it's English, weird, right? And we, we just sat in there, and, and the people got their papers out, and I got my Bible out. And, I, and I'm struggling with this, Lord, I hate this attitude. I'm supposed to be a Christian. And I'm just hearing the name. I just, ah, oh, Lord, I can't help it. And I'm reading Romans 6. It's honestly happened to me. And as I'm reading, I read, I read this. And he that has died, verse 7, he that has died is freed from sin. You've been crucified with Christ. And he that has died is freed from sin. And I suddenly saw it. I thought, Oh, I'm free. And it was so real, I, I, I laughed out loud in the compartment. All the newspapers came down. <laughs> didn't know there too many jokes in there, you know. I was, it was, it freed me. I just knew it. I honestly, I'm, I'm free. He that's died is free. That's what it's telling us. That's the message. And, I suddenly, and we became the best of pals. We never had any trouble. I suddenly saw it. Now, dead people don't feel jealousy. Dead people don't, no, no, it's over, it's finished. He has died, it's free from sin. And it was like, wow, I see it. That is the good news. We have been freed from the power of sin. 
God says it. It's like the, it's like the, the uh, Jewish guys, the Passover's got rid of their guilt, taken away the punishment. Yeah, but now I'm still trapped. How do I get free? Wow, the Red Sea's opened. We go down into it like baptism. We come up with it. Hey, we're free. We are actually free. How many slaves got through? How many slave owners got through? None of them. Moses sang that triumphant song in Exodus 15. They sank like lead. The horse and the rider is cast into sea. We are actually free. We're not slaves anymore. Beloved, the church must know that. We've got to know it. We're utterly free. We don't have to be in bondage to sin. We don't have to keep on doing it. We don't have to keep on saying, but I can't help myself. I get snared. I'm okay until I can stand like a ten pin. And then this one comes down the shaft. Oh, it comes again. Oh, I've done it again. You don't have to. You're free. It comes by knowing truth. Knowing truth. See, some people say, I can't help it. I've just got into pornography. I can't. It just gets me. No, no, no. He that knows the truth is freed. And we're freed by knowing. That's what the Bible teaches. We're freed from it. We are set free because we are in Christ. When he died, we died to sin's power. Amen? Yeah. And beloved, we need to know it, celebrate it, enjoy it. Not only that, it says in verse um, 12, 11, so consider yourselves. And this is the next stage. But the first stage is this, knowing it. It's in the past, we've got to know it. If we didn't hear it, we wouldn't understand it. Now we know it. Oh, I see. Now we know it because God says it's true. You can't say that. God says you died to sin. Oh, yeah, but there's a higher truth. No, there is no higher truth than God. There is no higher truth. He is the truth. He says you died with Christ. That's the truth. Now he says in verse 11, even so, consider yourself. That's interesting. It's, a, it's another word. Consider yourself dead to sin. Consider it. In other words, think right. Now, interestingly, Paul often takes language from the kind of law courts, words like justification and so on, they're from the law courts. This word, consider, is like taken from the world of accountancy. It means reckon. And that root actually means put in the right column, like an accountant would. If you're going to pay an accountant, you want the figures in the right column. So account it correctly. Consider it. Account it, it really means. So, beloved, we've got to get used to accounting. Hey, I haven't died to sin. So we know it. First we know it, then we consider it. It's not like, oh, Terry is telling us it's mind over matter. You just have to think it. I think it. I think it. I think it. I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. No, no, no. Yes, I've got to think it more. I've got to think it more. No, it's not that. It's not saying by thinking it, you'll make it. You're saying it's true, so think it. This really came home to me once when I, I, I was, the first time I ever went overseas, out of our country, and I flew to see my sister, who was a missionary in Spain. And I flew into Spain, and I remember the pilot said, welcome to Barcelona Airport, the time is four o'clock. I thought, no, it's not, it's three o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> Perfectly good watch, it's three and you go past the pilot sometimes, he stands there as you go up, thank you, he's like, it's three o'clock, you would be four o'clock. Well, he's saying it's four o'clock, it's three o'clock, really, come on, we'll say. No, see, in Spain, they're an hour ahead of us. So, change your watch. 
In Christ, you've died to sin. So change your thinking. Line up with reality. It's not that I make it, I consider it, but I force my brain into thinking, this is the truth. Change your thinking. That's what he's saying, consider it. And sometimes, if you it's been my privilege to fly around a bit, so you go to America, you know, it could, it could be six hours different. And your body's saying, what am I doing up? I should be asleep. Or you're wide awake in the middle of the night, saying, why am I awake? Because your body's all out of kilter. But the reality is, you are now in Missouri, so it's six hours different, line up with reality. And the sooner you do it, the sooner you'll enjoy your time in Missouri. Otherwise you're constantly fighting, lots of time at home. No, no, forget that. Line up with reality. Line up with reality. And so we're in Christ, this is the new reality. We're freed from sin's power. That's what the Bible teaches us. And so it's step by step. It's not let go, let go. It's no, it's true. Learn to consider it's true. This is true of me. I am not a slave to this stuff. God said it. I'm in Christ. And then one more thing he says. Verse 12. Therefore, don't let sin reign in your mortal body to obey its lusts. Don't go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness. Now it's interesting here. This is the third stage. Know it, consider it, take responsibility for your mortal body. Now why does he say mortal body? Why don't he just say body? Well, perhaps he says mortal body because our bodies are not yet saved. It says quite plainly in Romans 8, we're awaiting our adoption, the redemption of our bodies. It's good news that we're going to get a new body one day. We've already got a new spirit. We're going to get a new body soon. It's good news. Once you're over 21, it's good news. <laughs> we're going to get a new body one day. It's going to be like his glorious body. I mean, what, what lies ahead for us? Yeah. That's, that's future. But beloved, I'm already a new person in here. Yeah. If any man's in Christ, he is a new creation. We're already new in here, but I'm still living in this mortal body. And this mortal body used to have a different master. This, and, that's, and, and it talks about instruments. Don't hand over the members of your body as instruments. We've been so blessed by the instruments this morning. The instruments, they help us. You don't get music out of nothing, you get an instrument. And sin is looking for an instrument. It doesn't just happen out there, it's looking for an instrument. And in the past, we happily gave our members as instruments. We looked at things we shouldn't look at. We listened to stuff we shouldn't have said, listened to. We said things we shouldn't have said. We gave our bodies as instruments. Because sin doesn't live in a vacuum. It needs an instrument. And we gave our bodies to the instruments. Now I'm a new creation in here. So Paul says, you died to its power, take responsibility for it. Make good choices. That's why let go, let God is so wrong. Take responsibility. Paul says in elsewhere, him who stole, steal no longer. 
Quite a simple thing. Stop it. <laughs> you who stole, steal no longer. Why? But we'll be a new creature. It just shows the sort of people who are getting saved in those days. You who stole, steal no longer. Why? Because you're a new person. Oh, I see. Stop that. Stop that. Some things just kind of fall away. Things you have to, sometimes you have to say, no, I'm not having that anymore. And we take control. It says, it says in Proverbs, the wise man doesn't go down the road of a harlot, a prostitute. The wise man. See, you might say, that's the quickest road. Or it may to be, that's the quickest road. The wise man doesn't go down that road. But that's the quickest. Go the other way. See, you make decisions. You say, well, why do you buy that newspaper? Well, the football school, the football's fantastic. They're, they're so lively. Yeah, but what do you get on these other pages? It's a great word. Amazing insight. Stop taking that paper. They stop, you know, stop making those decisions. Sometimes people come and say at the end, would you pray for me? And they say, I say, well, what would you like me to pray for? Well, just pray a blessing. And I often pray, Lord, help him, help her. Make good decisions. Make good decisions. Make good decisions. You can. Take responsibility. Because you are a new creation. God's done it. So Christians can live totally different to the unsaved who don't know God. And don't know what happened at the cross. We're not meant to keep on sinning and sinning and sinning. The Bible says in 1 John, he that's born of God doesn't sin. It doesn't sin. I write these things to you that you may not sin. Then in the same epistle, you get the passage that we read out together earlier this morning. That if we sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us. Notice he says both things in the same letter. In the same letter, he says, He that is born of God doesn't sin. I write these things to you that you won't sin. If anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And if we confess our sins, he's faith. The normal, somebody put it like this, it's like living in a great big house. It's got a wonderful entrance with steps and pillars. That's the main entrance. There's also a fire escape. And the main entrance is this, he that's born of God doesn't sin. The fire escape is if anyone sins. So, beloved, it should not be our expectation that you're just going to carry on sinners sinning. And let me just say one more thing. Some Christians delight in saying we're only sinners. And sometimes it sounds ever so holy to say you're a sinner. I mean, it's crazy, really. That we're only sinners. No, we're not. I sometimes, I mean, people I really honor and respect keep on saying, we're only sinners, really. If we're only sinners, what's Romans 6 all about? And if we're only sinners, maybe we shouldn't read all these epistles that are written to the saints. Yeah. You know, the Philippians, to the saints in Philippi. Well, I'm a sinner. Oh, don't bother reading Philippians, though. It's for saints. It's for people God has made holy. Yeah. Later in the chapter, it's just said, this is the last bit, I was reading my own uh, book and uh, devotions yesterday. 
about slavery. He says, you were slaves of sin. You were slaves of sin. Just looking around for a while. Come on, borrow. Look around for a while. Don't get scared. Feel a man. Borrow. I'm sure you can mend this. <laughs> no, somebody mend it. So, 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 you know, we were slaves. Just think of it. I'm a slave of sin. It says here, you were, were slaves of sin. Now, you are slaves of righteousness. What does it mean? Well, sin says, come on, slave. Okay. I'm a slave of sin. I used to be a slave of sin. I used to get, my lifestyle was awful, horrible. I was in slavery to it. It says here, now you've been bought. You've been, you're no longer a slave of sin. Verse 18, having been freed from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. It's a pretty different identity. It's like, here comes, here comes a slave of sin, where are we going? Oh, we're going downtown, okay. Stand there, okay. Along comes righteousness. Looks at you and says, hmm, think I'll buy you. I'm a slave of sin. No, I'll pay the full price for you. Yeah, I'll pay the price for you. Wow. You're not a slave of sin anymore. And righteousness says, no, no, you're my slave now. Come on. Now we are slaves of righteousness. That's where we feel most at home. Yes. That's my new identity. Yeah. I'm, in, I'm in slavery to righteousness. That's where I feel most happy when I'm worshipping Jesus, celebrating him. But I feel most unhappy when I, when I sin. I'm so sorry. Because yeah. I'm no longer being true to who I am. Back in the old days, when I, when I used to go out partying all the rest of it, we went back to work on Monday and boasted about it. I wasn't ashamed of it. I said, you should have been there with that stuff we got up to. It's outrageous. Now, if I, if I sin now, I think, oh gosh, I shouldn't have spoken like that. I think, what's wrong with you, spoken like that? What's your problem? Well, there's something inside me that says, it doesn't fit. It's not who I am now. Because actually I'm in slavery to righteousness pulls me. Yeah. I, I, and that's my new identity. I'm a saint of God. I'm one of God's holy ones, one of his special treasure. That's what the Bible says. Yeah. And so when I hear people say, of course we're sinners first. No, we're not. We used to be. But God's done an amazing thing. He's an amazing thing. He's given me a new heart. A new heart, a new spirit. People say, oh yeah, but the heart's deceitful. Yeah, that's why it's going to be a new one. We've got a new heart, a new spirit within me. We've been born afresh. We're new people. See, without that, beloved, Christianity is just hard work. It's just that load of rules and regulations. Trying to keep it up. God's done an amazing thing to us. He's absolutely set us free. He's given us a new identity. He wants us to enjoy that freedom. So in summing it up, it's wonderful. He says uh, the, the chapter begins, shall we carry on in sin? And verse 14 was the last verse I read to you. Sin shall not be master over you. 
For you're not under law, you're under grace. You're in a new age, a new dimension. We're no longer in the age of the law, we're in the age of grace. A new relationship, a new way of working with God, new people in his family, born of God, new creation. All, heaven's already started, internal life's already broken in on this world of sin and death. We're enjoying the new world. We're tasting of the powers of the age to come. We're already there. So we live a completely kind, new kind of life. Let me just quote a verse to you as we stop. Uh, John Bunyan, the famous Pilgrim's Progress writer, said this. It's a wonderful little poem. Run, John, run, the law demands, but gives you neither legs nor arms. Better news the gospel brings, it bids you fly and gives you wings. <laughs> it's completely different. See, if we, if we imagine the speaker here, and we can see it all as a speaker here, we're going to say it's a pig. Right, imagine it's a pig. Right, can we do that? There's a pig on the side of the platform. Right, imagine it was a pig. Okay, you're a pig. Okay, a pig. Pig, that's your identity. Okay, pig. Right, pig, pig's your identity. Here is your calling in life. Yeah? Fly. Well, it just made him a very miserable pig. <laughs> because his identity, pig, and his calling, fly, is so far removed, he's going to be a miserable pig the rest of his life. That's where religious people are. They haven't understood. My identity changed. My identity changed. Now, he gives us, he, he bids us fly and gives us wings. It's a new identity. It's a new calling. So shall we carry on sinning because God's happy to call us righteous? No, 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 no. The deliverance we have is so much more. He's actually freed us. Yeah. And but I mean, if we suddenly blow our top again, it's, oh, it doesn't work. All that Terry said doesn't work. No, no, no. We go back and we say, I'm sorry, Lord. I confess, I'm sorry. I'm not going to abandon everything you said. And go back to his trying harbor. No, I'm going to believe what you said. I'm sorry, I blew it on that occasion. It has not changed my identity. I'm your child, you saved me, I died for Jesus, I'm raised to newness of life, that's what you said is true of me. And I just keep coming back to this truth until more and more this truth sets you free. You'll get transformed by the renewing of your mind. You more and more understand what God's done for you. You get freer and freer and freer. That's the promise of God. We're actually free in a moment. But the application of it sometimes, it just takes a season, takes a while, it takes a while. And we find, no, I'm in, I'm in charge around here now. God's changed us, made us new people. That is what the gospel consistently says. Let's believe it, enjoy it. If you yeah. feel today, oh, I think I'm just in such bondage. Always, no, no, believe the word. Believe what it says of you. Let me pray for us. Maybe the band will come up. Lord Jesus. Thank you so much for what you accomplished. Thank you that you thoroughly identified with us. Bore away our sin. We thank you so much that your son died to sin's power. Lord, you went right down with it 
but we thank you you were raised. You were raised. And we were co-raised with you to newness of life. And Father, I ask you right now in Jesus' name, would you please, Lord, stimulate faith in our hearts, full sense of identification with what you have done for us. Lord, transform us, give us the glory of knowing who we are in Christ, to live this new life, to enjoy the victory you've made available to us, dear God. We might glorify you, Jesus. We don't want to shame you. You pay such a price for us. We don't want to say, I'm still a sinner, when you paid, you paid to give us out of slavery, to make us your slaves. Lord, we want to honour you, honour you for paying such a price. Help us in that part that we do pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.